0: Welcome to Beyond Top 10 Tennis. My name is Dr. Ashley Morgan-Burge, and I'm your host. I'm the author of 11 books, a CEO of 12 years, a founder of a startup set on data privacy, and most importantly an elite performance coach of over 18 years having worked with athletes throughout Europe the United States to Australia and I think most excitingly I am the world's leading scientist on coach and athlete performance specifically behind how to develop a top 10 tennis ranking. That's right, we've got the data on our side and everything interworked with that, that unraveled and revealed what it really takes to develop a top 10 tennis player but also coach. It is incredibly exciting and why we're all here. I'm behind theories from the optimal performance theory, the V by Dr. B to the rule of transference. I've coined terms from the barrier breaker to the golden rule and a slew of others. Each episode as has become custom we dive into one of my books to share additional insights, dig a little bit deeper to show share even more of what it takes to get to that top 10 tennis ranking. The book we've been focusing on for quite some time now is The Secrets to Optimal Performance Success, a comprehensive discussion on developing elite coaches and players. And look, today's episode is no, no different. It's really piggybacking off our previous episode. So I'd encourage you to just catch up with that one before diving into today's episode. But look, if you've been with us from the beginning, you know what we're all about. But you know what, if this is your first time tuning in, it's the same because buckle in and enjoy the ride. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know that intro was a bit sharp and concise and just, I really wanted to, to get, I think, into the nitty gritty today. Cause look, like I said, we're focusing on the secrets to optimal performance success. And I think we're at least four fifths, so more than three quarters of the way through. Um, and it's been jam packed um, from the very beginning. and. I think it's incredibly important for today's episode to date where this work uh, came from and was initially established. So we're just rewinding the clock back to 2016 and you'll know, you'll you'll catch up soon. Back then, there was a lot of, I think, misconceptions about, I think, fluids and what you need to, I think, what you need to to replace, I think, sweat. So that's obviously what we touched on in the previous episode. Because look, today's episode is on hydration. Coconut water, soda water, energy drinks, sport drinks, which one? And if you wanna follow along, we are on page 178. And like I've just touched on, this is really about, and and, you know, the predating is, Back then, coconut water was so popular, It was, there was so much noise around it that it was a must have for athletes, irrespective of where you were on the spectrum. Obviously, fast forward now seven years, the noise so much isn't around. Coconut water, I think itself However, it is still on the shelves. (laughs) It is still there and there is noise. But also I think there's a very big misconception still out there on what you really need to replace we're all very I think aware of the sports strengths and I'm not going to name-drop so they depending I think where you are based there are sports strengths I think of choice which are more common than others and I think they do have a role but that's another question and essentially that question is what do I need so what does the athletes body need at this given time more often than not, uh, they don't play a part for the developmental athletes. So when I say the developmental, it's really looking at athletes, let's say 16 years and, and under, but we're also looking at that energy expenditure and the rate of fluid loss. So what you need to replace that and or whatever you're consuming in this respect does it have what you're losing, like specifically? Now again, more often than not, those sports drinks um, are not, I think, necessary for these athletes. But again, this is a very big, I think, uh, banner because everyone is different. And we've touched on this in previous episodes that we do like taking that humanized approach, which essentially prefaces that we're all individuals, we all have different rates of energy expenditure. Some are going to be very close. So there are, you're going to fit into specific groups. However, there is never a, you know, that one size fits all approach. And when we're looking at the, the fluid in this respect, you could have a set of 10 athletes and their energy expenditure is all going to be different. Some are gonna be close to others, but the difference is there. Um, And I know that this may not be what you want to hear, but more often than not, believe it or not, is water is the best replacement. Um, I'll give you a personal story, um, just, I think, to set a really good, I think, pre-stand here is, if you've been following along for some time, then you know that whilst I Stepped away from that playing, and I dived headfirst into coaching from very early on in my, in my career. What happened uh, a few years after that is that I found myself fall into I think ultra running. So it's uh, it was just a coincidence. It wasn't something I think that I, I signed up for um, in, with an intent on that long story short when you are obviously training for an ultra we're talking about daily runs back then that i was doing from 20 to 30 kilometers i don't have the mile conversion so i'll stick with kilometers um, here and obviously that that's a lot so you can compare that to an athlete training to that one to two hours and that fluid loss over someone running um (laughs) for the two to three hours um, on a regular basis. Now, what happens, obviously, that there's a lot of loss and you require a lot of uh, fluid. So to, to replace, I think, everything you are losing. So I don't think you can compare the two. However, it's definitely, I think, evident about the, the replacements there and the demands on the body. It's quite extreme. However, depending on the distance in this example, a lot of those, I think, sports drinks do not serve a purpose unless you're obviously going over that 10 to 15 kilometer mark. And even then, you're going to be limited to just that that one bottle, but you're still going to need more as in replacements, not just that. And I know that's a very broad um, example and maybe not as concise as you'd like, but that's really because it's, again, like I said, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. But I'm sharing this because there's such a big misconception, irrespective of what club or academy that I've been to or go to over the last 18, 20-plus years. (laughs) I can guarantee you, that at least 90% of players, athletes out there, they have some type of sports strength with them. And at the end of the day, it's not serving a purpose. Some of them, it serves a purpose, but for the majority of them, it does not serve a purpose. And there's a very big misconception there. And it's incredibly problematic, um, hopefully for the coaches and specifically parents out there, with your child consuming i think excess sugars in this respect to i think uh, the, the variances but is it really applicable it's it's okay obviously if it's just that that one bottle uh, per day that everything's in moderation so if we obviously use that as a rule of thumb though what I'm, i think i'm sharing here from the concerning side is that you see uh, players, athletes, but also adults here yeah, that overconsume? That um, when we're looking at leading by example and making sure we are replenishing and replacing, opposed to uh, overloading or over-consuming and overconsumption. There, it's a very fine line, and obviously it, it, due to the misconceptions there. It's really important, I think, to get your head around what the body actually needs when we're looking at energy expenditure to recovery, to make sure you can maintain that optimal performance and reach that next Uh, peak level and continue along that performance cycle which essentially integrates with your daily training needs and demands because that that fluid intake is a part of that and it's incredibly important but it's really uh, incredibly important here to be mindful of what your body actually needs. So look, if you want to follow along with us today, we're on page 178. A few years back, during my time in Germany with a group of North American national players, I came across something I found a little odd. Players were drinking soda water. Now, I should preface this by saying that I am based in Australia and that's where I've been uh, brought up. Now, soda water is not very commonplace, if at all, on the sporting grounds in Australia. However, I'm very aware that soda water was very popular in North America, but also during my time in Europe. So it wasn't necessarily a foreign, it's not a foreign concept from that perspective. However, from an Australian perspective, it is, it was very new. Now, it's really about getting your head around, I think, the gas that's uh, in, obviously, soda water. If it's serving a purpose when we're looking at replacing, but also it's what that athlete or player is used to and that level of comfort most players athletes who are not used to that level of soda would would make their gut quite uncomfortable to obviously continue to play however if you do not have those issues or problems and your gut is very used to having uh that 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 the gas associated with obviously that soda water then that's another thing because, again, everyone's individual. It depends on what your norm is and what that normal is for you. Because if I said to one player, soda water is fine, and the other, who soda water is such a foreign concept, to do the same, you will actually notice a very distinct difference in their performance metrics. Not as in soda water the soft drink kind you find in supermarkets, but soda water as in plain gas bubble drinks that players, athletes were bringing to training, which was also sold by club or tournament venues. It was considered the norm and the drink of choice during competition. Now this really touches on, I think what was just shared about how common this was. So we're talking about plain, so just plain soda water, but it was used instead of just normal water. Now, I will, I think, preface normal water by no bubbles. What comes out of your tap or what's sold, I think. Well, I can't really say in supermarkets, but typically I think no bubbles (laughs) and again depending where you're based in the world and or what's your norm you begin to ask yourself is this conducive to a given performance and or if you're looking at consuming excess gas in those liquids how is your body responding This might be natural for some, but as an Australian, this was rather strange. It was something neither I nor my players were used to. It was never an option and a foreign concept. Not foreign by country of origin, but foreign because soda water in general isn't a typical option when hydration in sport performance in Australia or the US is concerned. Now I will, I think, just clarify there that Yes, in the US, I did notice some players with soda water. However, it was a lot more, I think, predominant um, in different parts of Europe and obviously specifically in Germany now I'm sure there are many more countries in Europe where this is the case and or I also I think recognize that patterns and or habits can change so this is something directly I think witnessed firsthand at this time and so that's why obviously predating where this initially came from a revised edition the latest is roughly about 18 months ago but th- this is relatively the same because again irrespective of what club you're at you will find um, very diverse um, drinks and these have been getting more and more I think um, different over the years and you will even see players consuming energy drinks to performance and or during performance now when you're looking at I think that adolescent um, or developmental age bracket this can be quite detrimental to their performance because we know the amount of energy and other I will say um, in those types of drinks and the lag on performance and when I say lag I mean you it's almost like a sugar crash so you get a burst of energy and then it dwindles so to speak now this is problematized from the perspective of that athletes should be conditioned to reach that performance peak naturally without any inhibitors or contributors from that perspective especially in this age bracket now, when you are at the elite echelon of play, so now I'm talking towards those WTA ATP Tour players who are ranked, you know, top 100 in the world, top 50 in the world, top 30 in the world, and they know their body back to front. So, it is seen, not very often, though you, you, you do see, obviously, the, the different correlations there between um, caffeine, for example, or so for a coffee. And the benefits, short-term benefits from that perspective, however, a very big word of caution here really depends on what your body is used to and that you've already built that baseline. If you are that you know, that 18, 17 year old or, or younger, and you're already in need of these type of uh, supplements from liquid supplements in this respect, that is not recommended because again, you're trying to establish that baseline and at that younger age, you really do not have an excuse to condition that we're talking about as you get a little bit older. So, you know, 25 years plus, when your body could begin to have some gaps, which is very ironic, but when I say gaps, that you know that you're pushing hard, specifically as you edge closer to 30 in your early 30s and later years. And I say that because we obviously do have a handful of elite players in this age bracket, which is phenomenal and sensational because of that level of maintenance. But again, bringing it back to fluid, Energy drinks are a huge no-no because of that crash. You know, caffeine, however, so specifically coffee, obviously depending how you have it, but let's say black here without uh, copious amounts of energy. It's specifically um, an example here of how it can help short term. Now, if you are an athlete, uh, again, in that developmental age group, that is already using caffeine in any way, shape or form with your performance, please stop. (laughs) For the parents and coaches out there, please, please stop. Because we know that that's a detriment. We also know that if you're establishing that type of intake at an early age, um, the likelihood of you being dependent on that over the next five to 10 years increases and you're going to have to go through a withdrawal, ironically, with that. And so it's really safeguarding the athlete to prevent that from happening and building that natural baseline, which is incredibly important because at the end of the day, we're very, um, I think, conscious and aware of obviously anti-doping and there's so, there are many complexities there. So supplements in any way, shape or form, you need to be very careful with. And again, when you're at that young age, you're privy to using your, your, I think, your body as a whole and being conscious of using, I think, the more simplified approaches and pushing those boundaries naturally to see where you can go and how far you can get before you look at introducing um, other. And when I say other, it's about different forms of supplements, if and or when that's necessary and we do have an episode that has been centered around supplements and that's very early on and so to learn more i would encourage you to just catch up on that one so that's not what today's about but look again remember recall the heading here it's about hydration coconut water soda water energy drinks and sport drinks so which one okay so let's dive back in During my time in the US, I again came across something different. Soft drinks and sport drinks are plenty and are more commonplace now in Australia. Although sports drinks are widespread, soft drinks and hydration in a sports setting is not so familiar, nor should it be. Now this really touches on, I think the content in that soft drink. So we've already touched on the gas. But the concern here is obviously the copious amounts of sugar. But again, it really comes down to education. And we do have a handful of episodes on obviously the role of education to the learning process, etc. cetera. But right now I'm going to really just, I think hone in on Uh, an awareness and education around what's in these drinks, because for example, if you're consuming um, a soft drink specifically, so obviously one that contains sugar, uh, and or in any way, shape or form, so that includes like the diet and sweeteners. but you look at that intake, so what's included in that, and more often than not, it's obviously artificial. So it it is not natural in any way, shape or form. And if you are ingesting that from a very early age, obviously your body can become reliant on that. And if you are building those habits in that age group, you're almost setting yourself up for failure. Now look, we've touched on the pathway through to the long game and I think many many episodes so just quickly obviously the pathway is obviously that staggered approach to get towards that top 10 tennis ranking and what's required whereas that long game accounts for specifically that initial 10-year pathway and setting you up for that next 10 years so that's 20 years of play that we're looking at but again we won't focus on that here For, for more obviously please do head on over to AMA International but When we're looking at building that pathway, so setting those foundations so you can follow that long game, it is absolutely pertinent to be mindful of what you are ingesting because if your baseline is normalized by a high sugar intake, what is your normal then? What is your natural performance state? without that so what is your what are your natural energy levels now we we know that obviously if you're ingesting sugar you're going to peak you're going to get very that sugar high and you're going to crash and to avoid a crash does that mean you're going to maintain ingesting that level of sugar and once you do that it gets to a very dangerous level where obviously is it a detriment to your performance if you're needing to sustain that high. Now we can go, this is in a very short time frame. however, so that one to two hour period, for example. But again, if you're building a tolerance, you're going to need more and more over time. So the moral of the story here is that you're setting yourself up for failure long-term these are the habits you're integrating into your performance from an early age whether you know you're eight nine ten years or you're you know 14 15 16 years of age irrespective these are unhealthy habits not healthy unhealthy habits that are not and i'll reiterate are not conducive with the pathway and or the long game so this is where hydration really comes into play because getting towards that top 10 tennis ranking is incredibly multifaceted there are many moving parts, and the secrets to optimal performance success really simplifies and i think does an incredibly good job of putting them all together under one roof and just walking you through what it really takes to build those initial foundations so in that first 10 years of play and this is obviously one of Ten specific texts that really addresses I, you know, that pathway, the long game, what it takes in word form to get towards that top ten tennis ranking. And please do not, I think, excuse hydration for one moment because it's so important when it comes to recovery. It's so important to uh, set up those good, healthy habits. So those foundations for that 11, 12, 13-year-old to be very conscious of that. But also education around perception of what um, is good for me, what is not so good for me. Obviously everything's in moderation. This is not to say that, you know, you're that 13, 14 year old that likes soft drink. That's not to say you can never have it, have it. That's not what this is about. It's specifically, I think, honing in on your performance specifically. So when you're training and recovering um, and what it takes, Uh, it also obviously talks to, if you want to have that can of soft drink, during training, before and/or after is not the best time. Um, on one of your off days, etc., or after that recovery time, it's it's different. Although I would definitely not encourage for multiple cans of soft drink to be had every single day. And unfortunately, we know that some demographics are more susceptible to that, or do um, I think have those um, hydration habits. So this is really to, I think, shine that spotlight on hydration and draw a bit more clarity of what it takes. And one of the best sources, obviously, is water (laughs) above and beyond all. But I do have some surprise packets in this chapter that are not so much common knowledge and it's really simple. Okay, so let's, let's keep going. Nonetheless, there were many players and athletes who would consume soft drinks during play and post-play. This was somewhat baffling, more so than soda water because at least soda water isn't jam-packed with sugar. These players or athletes were getting excess energy and an immediate sugar high, simply by trying to restore lost fluids and maintain their hydration. So this obviously talks to the the problem here and when you're creating that normalized I think hydration level which is really just a sugar high and a sugar high and another sugar high and it could be argued that you can get a performance advantage although it's temporary it's still not fair game however that athletes body internally is suffering And to be able to maintain that level of hydration is, again, incredibly unhealthy, but it will come back (laughs) in a negative effect um, in the years to come. So again, if you do want to establish yourself as an elite player and have a chance on the WTA or ATP tours, and progress towards, you know, that top 500, top 300 and steadily, so progressively ascend towards, you know, top 80 in the world, top 40 in the world, top 20 in the world. These are key habits because it comes down to that habitualized state. And we talk about that in many of my texts. However, what this is really saying is that This is your foundation. It's your foundation level of play. So again, you wanna optimize your performance. What's your baseline? What's your starting point to build upon? If your starting point involves an increased sugar intake, what is that going to look like in five years, 10 years? We know that's not sustainable, but we also know the negative, the extreme negative effects on your health. So, it's so important to condition yourself from a simplified, but more natural perspective with, without obviously the added sugar <laughs> there. But to build that baseline that is from just the athlete body as a whole or without uh, conflicting influences without external hydration influences. And I think what I mean by that is the soft drinks to the coconuts, to the, the energy, etc. to be very careful that a level of reliance is not there and to make sure what you choose to ingest is helpful and also is sustainable. That now, and will it be sustainable in two years time? to five years time to 10 years time now to do that we really need to look at you really fine tune and just i think draw like i think that micro microscopic lens so to speak on really what it takes and obviously the more elite you get you have access to these type of tools but let's pretend for a moment that we're really just talking about that you do not have access to these tools so we're looking at just i think drawing the curtains back and trying to look for that more simplified approach so if you are that academy player you do have those national ranking points but and you're looking to progress and or you're looking to get those initial points and you are embarking on the itf What do you really need and what is sustainable for you to continue to progress without hitting that brick wall, so to speak. And it really comes down to obviously that recovery, that energy intake. Now, I know today's episode is really focused on hydration specifically, but energy intake is obviously in obviously two forms. It's obviously hydration, but also solids, so um, actual foods. And I think that's obviously a, a different episode, but it's very... Um, they obviously play off one another when it comes to recovery and what your body needs and if you are recovering in an optimal way to produce and contribute towards that optimal performance. Okay. When it comes to sports drinks more often than not they have less sugar than soft drinks. These sport drinks come in copious varieties and are predominantly available at every corner of a sports precinct meaning they are readily available to players but both soft drinks and sport drinks are in high demand throughout the sporting world this however is a very big misconception around there because whilst it can be argued that soft drinks have a high i think sugar um, baseline there uh, sporting drinks still do have that sugar or granted that most of these sport drinks are not soda-based, it's what's in them as well. I think over the last, uh, let's say, three to five years, you do have more sports drinks without the artificial. Um, there's there's still, I'll say, things in there to be really s- simple. <laughs> However, it's really about making those conscious decisions. Now how can you make a conscious decision if you are not educated about what this is and what it does so now it's specifically talking or i am to the coaches out there to upskill in this respect to know what's in these but to also play that role in teaching your players your athletes about recovery and the right drinks for them And I'd probably, a word of caution, be conscious of what you are, I think, ingesting yourself. Because I guarantee you, your players, your athletes, even the parents are going to look at what you are consuming. Irrespective if you are not playing, there they will still have a look. And a very high proportion, probably copy that. And that's just human behavior because, again, you are that adult in the room and you are that, I think, figure of authority to them. So it's so important to, I think, upskill and be mindful of that, but also to get your head around it so you can help them. So those players, the athletes, the parents about what they should be consuming. Now, it's not too hard to be able to do that, but if you see an athlete obviously with that soft drink, uh, ask them why, um, challenge them to not go without it. If you have that athlete having a coffee before practice, have that conversation about what are their daily habits like? um, How are you going to perform at an optimal level? And then reach that next peak performance if you're constantly uh, reliant on caffeine and or you're constantly reliant on those energy drinks, how are you going to perform in an early match early in the day? For example, if you're so used to having those energy drinks and not sleeping till late and you're going to be sleep deprived. So really getting, uh, I think, explaining to that player athlete all the associated uh, negative side effects that come with that and obviously sleep habits is one of them but it's a really I think the recovery is fun is obviously obviously fundamental but having the discussion about what works best for them and what is key then in this respect okay one of the newer hydration sources that has gained popularity and joined the developmental hydration maze is coconut water why because coconut water offers something different. This difference is in its associated benefits opposed to performance. Unlike soft drinks that do not have a direct sporting benefit, contrast to say a sports drink that may be high in sodium being beneficial in helping replace lost sodium content, coconut water has alternative benefits. One of such being natural hydration used (laughs) loosely Water being the be-all and end-all original source. Is coconut water a drink that players should consume to maintain their hydration during and post-performance in contrast to water? short, no. And look, I'm going to finish on that because there is more to that. And again, it's so important, fundamental again, that humanized approach, making sure that again, it's... Different things are going to work for different athletes. Now, if you're looking at your favorite athletes on tour and what they're consuming, the likelihood is that everyone's going to have something slightly different that works best for them. And this could be exactly the same for the top 20 to the top 10. So there is no need for alarm bells to ring in that respect because humans are, I think, conditioned by behaviors so it's obviously those patterns are habitual so depending on what they are used to what their body is used to tolerating and the responsiveness there but again i can guarantee you you will never see fingers crossed but i know never should say never but the more often than not you will very rarely see a high performing athlete with soda water (laughs) to soft drinks continuously ingesting that during their performance before and or after, because they are not optimal recovery um, options when we're looking at hydration. And I think that's the nuts and bolts of it. And I think it's really important to, I think, wrap up today's episode on that. Because hydration, it can get really messy, it can get really confusing. And there's a good chance different parts of today's episode have sounded a bit like that. And so, Don't be shy or scared in respect to this could be a bit overwhelming because it's really about simplifying that most of the time water is absolutely the answer. If not, you need to be mindful of the sports strengths that are available and what's in them to have the discussion, please, with the adults in the room. Now, I say the adults in the room for the players, athletes, obviously, 18 and under to have that conversation with your coaches and parents and or guardian to really get your head around that and upskill. But then for those athletes who are 18 plus, so you're 25, heading towards 30, there's a very good chance you have that knowledge base, that you do ascertain what is fundamental and what works for your body to reach that peak performance. If you have not figured that out, please then do have that conversation with your coach or find other. And when I say other, that may be a key nutritionist on your team or one that you can go directly consult because this episode is not going to tell you specifically what you need because again, you are an individual. There is no one size fits all. And if there's anything you take away from today's episode, please be mindful that hydration is absolutely fundamental when we're looking at heading towards that top 10 tennis ranking, but you know what? There is not a one size fits all approach when we're looking at heading towards that long game and following the pathway, because even though we know the key metrics that are responsible, they need to be shaped specifically for that athlete and I think that's the best part of what the data tells us and how we get to take that humanized approach because irrespective of who I'm working with, depending on what level you are at, there's always going to be specific modifications that follows the seven keys that help shape uh, the prerequisites, if you like, to head towards that top 10 tennis ranking and what obviously what it really takes to get there And it comes back to that individualized approach, being incredibly mindful. And look, today's episode's on hydration. It's figuring out what works best for you, what works best for your body, what works best where you can reach that peak performance and it's sustainable and conducive towards producing that optimal performance that is going to get you closer and closer and closer towards that top 10 tennis ranking. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I think we got a little bit, I think, complicated at some parts, but then really simplified. Look, at the end of the day, I, I hope you had some good takeaways around hydration and it just really made you think because I think that was the... the primary primary purpose of today's episode, because hydration isn't really given enough attention, but it serves such a big part in athlete or player performance. And again, that pathway towards that top 10 tennis ranking. And to get a copy of the secrets to optimal performance success, head on over to AMA International, that's amainternational.com. For any comments or questions, please do head on over to AMA or Topic Thread. That's the only social network that I'm on. But again, for comments or questions, please don't be shy because Beyond Top 10 Tennis has our social channels. All of those links are in the bio. So look, whether it's TikTok, TikTok, there you go. And we do have those weekly tips, threads. We have our blogs on Medium. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. So please, you know, reach out to us and there's a very good chance that I will see them too. And I absolutely love it when you do that. If you're listening on Spotify, we do have those questions. We do have those polls. So please, you're most welcome to fill them out because they really help us shape current episodes to future episodes. And I really enjoy um, just, just, I think, having a really good view of those insights because it, it, it helps me, I think, yeah, that feedback's wonderful to, to shape current to those future episodes, like I said. And to plan to, which is always a bit of fun. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, follow like, that would be absolutely phenomenal. And look, for a little, something a little bit different, head on over to Pink Octopus Books. That's where my fictional release is. But like I always do, links are all in the bio. And something I think that I don't normally touch on, but you will see in our episode notes, access to our weekly blog. So we do have them coming out every single week um just to share those additional insights so there's always those uh, i think those uh more information so those just more of um on today's episode depending on obviously the topic so this one obviously will be around hydration okay we better wrap things up Um, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for listening. I had a lot of fun and I think I always have a lot of fun when I get to interact with you guys um, in any way, shape or form. So again, please come say hi in those social channels read through those blogs and share the, that feedback to those additional insights from, from your perspective and that'd be wonderfully appreciated. Okay, on that note, thank you so much. I am so grateful. I am your host, Dr. Ashley Morganberg and this is Beyond Top 10 Tennis, and I'll see you next time.